These are the moors of Dartmoor in Devonshire, England. Here, stretching for miles, is a thick cauldron of fog, swamp, rare ecosystems, and human stories going back dozens of centuries. Road trip, they told me. England, they told me. Pub grub and high tea. Tweed caps and walking sticks with dog head carved handles. <laughs> it's here we've been sent, clearly under false pretenses, to explore one of the timeless legends of England, that of the Black Dog. Some know it as Black Shuck. Elsewhere in the country, he's known as Harry Jack, Padfoot, and the Church Grim. There are Black Dogs of Tring, Lyme Regis, Aylesbury, and haunting the notorious Newgate Prison. Today, to be in the jaws of the Black Dog is to suffer clinical depression, borrowing a metaphor dating back to ancient Rome in the writings of Horace. Uh, I'm sure it was nothing. Uh, spend some time in a warm, safe, well-lit library. That would be pretty nice right about now. And you'll come to appreciate that dogs, perhaps more than any other creature, permeate human myth and folklore, not just here, but in every region, every culture, as far back as any is recorded. Yes, dogs in myth and folklore are sometimes ghosts and demons, but they're also benevolent figures, kind-hearted deities, guides, companions, and protectors. Oh, boy. Including here in Dartmoor. One tale has it that Lady Mary Howard of Fitzford was condemned to travel these moors till the end of time, accompanied by a phantom hound. I'm Bud Bacone. You and I are about to travel through time and place to better understand why dogs play a starring role in thousands of years of human folklore, in the very real breeds that inspired these stories. Yes, including the storied black dog where the relentless hounds, giant mastiffs, or an English toy spaniel. Yeah, I know, but the little fella crushed it in the audition. It's not the dog that needs training, but the owner. I am 50% pointer. There it is, there it is, there it is. The American Kennel Club. Bloody <laughs> boy! Toto too? Toto too? And of course, Lassie. Down and Back. Stories from the AKC Archives. <laughs> With Bud Bacone. Wherever, whenever humans have roamed the planet, there have also been dogs. And in every chapter of human folklore, dogs, Semper Fidelis, are always nearby. In their book, Dogs of Myth, Gerald and Loretta Hausman travel the planet and through chronology, capturing a treasury of dog lore, like this ditty from ancient Japan. The legend of why dogs can't talk like people. An Akita tale. You might want to ease into a favorite chair and have some cocoa ready. If you're driving, I'll sip it for you. Akita of Japan goes the story was the grandson of first dog, 
Name means what it says. Akita was very smart and an excellent hunter, so off he'd go with his human first hunter, who did some of the work but took all of the credit. Akita was rueful of first hunter's role as master, and of the embellished stories of his hunting prowess told around the fire as Akita, the true hero, fumed. Coco break. Mmm. One day... Akita had enough and tricked First Hunter into going first into a thicket, a job Akita usually handled. He told the hunter that there was a deer there. It was a classic bait-and-switch, for the Akita knew that inside the thicket was a bear who devoured the hunter in a few tidy bites. Arriving home alone, Akita told First Hunter's wife of the attack, claiming he'd tried and failed to save his master. The hunter's wife, in tears, began sweeping dirt from the front of the lodge as Akita spun his story, then the clincher. Akita said first hunter's dying wish was that he, Akita, should now live together with her as dog and wife. Angered by his lies, the woman whisked the broom at Akita's face, leaving him with a mouthful of dirt. Coughing, Akita tried to speak but couldn't and would never speak again. And so it is, today, that dogs cannot speak. Though given a chance, you might spot an Akita digging in the dirt, trying to find his voice. Travel back to any place in any era, or simply read about it in the AKC archives, and there you'll encounter dogs of myth and legend. Take, for instance, China some 1,500 years ago. The ancient cultures of both China and Tibet were rife with creatures that appear to be half dog and half lion. Lion Lion-like attributes were carefully bred into dogs of the era, including the Tibetan Mastiff, the Lhasa Apso, and the Pekingese. The lion was a part of Buddhist tradition from the beginning when it served as the Buddha's mode of transportation as he first arrived on Earth. It includes the story of a lion that fell in love with a marmoset. But the difference in their sizes made their union impossible. The heart-sore lion asked Ah Chu, the protector of animals, to shrink him down to the size of the marmoset so the two animals could wed. Only the lion's heart would maintain its original size. And from this beginning, the Fu Lin, or lion dog, was born, the breed we know today as the Pekingese. With apologies to Ah Chu, if we care to imagine that it was breeders who infused lion-like characteristics into generations of dogs, there's an interesting twist to the story. At the time these Sino-Tibetan breeds came about, lions had long since disappeared from China. The only visual reference for these breeders was highly stylized carvings of lions. In a sense, the Pekingese and these other great lion dogs of Asia are among the world's great examples of life imitating art. For Tibetans, the Lhasa Apso holds a special role as the earthly incarnation of the mythical snow lion. As an old Tibetan saying has it, If the snow lion stays in the mountains, it is a snow lion. If it comes down to the valleys, it becomes a dog.
Among the surfeit of dog myth stories here in the AKC archive is this ditty, recorded in the AKC Gazette of 1998, recalling the extra-biblical story of the Afghan hound. This was the breed, goes the story, that was taken aboard Noah's Ark, which for our purposes is believed to have come to rest on land at the shore of what is now Lake Chad. The weather started getting rough. The tiny ship was tossed. Forty days and forty nights of torrential rain would wipe out all life. But what was aboard Noah's boat? And it was no small thing for one weekend handyman to build a 300 by 50 cubit boat with hand tools. And despite Noah's best work, the boat sprung a leak or two, a few of which he couldn't stop. That's when Noah called upon his faithful Afghans who stopped the leaks by putting their long muzzles in the holes, which is why, to this day, dogs have wet noses. Indigenous nations throughout the Americas have myths and folklore about dogs. Last season, we met the Sholowitz Quintley, a dog with a 3,000-year-old history, giving a claim as the oldest breed in the Americas. Its name was derived from that of a dog-headed Aztec god. These dogs were often buried alongside their owners to serve as a protective guide to the next world. Elsewhere on that ancient earth, in the African interior came a legend of the Basenji, which is a contender for the oldest AKC breed. In mythology, this short-haired hunter was the creature who first procured fire for humans. The story has it that the Basenji stole an urn of fire and upon delivering it, stop me if you've heard this one, lost its voice. Its final words before being forever silenced were, I shall pay dearly for this gift. And with that, the Basenji lost its ability to bark. Though it's known to this day as the barkless dog, it's not silent. As any Basenji owner will tell you, the breed is capable of a sort of a yodel. Seems the Basenji and the Akita would have a lot to talk about. Sort of. If you still doubt dog myths are everywhere, just look up. At Sirius, the brightest star in the night sky. It's part of the constellation... Anyone? Ah, you, in the back. Yes, Canis Major, or the Greater Dog. Sirius was a hunting dog, belonging to Orion, namesake of an adjacent constellation. Over time, the Greeks noticed that Sirius rose and set very near the same time as the sun in July and August. Having the brightest star and the sun rise at the same time was a double whammy, a sure sign of the hottest days of the year, the dog days. It was the Romans ever tinkering with Greek mythology who placed Sirius in the constellation Canis Major. And for those playing along at home, yes, there is a Canis Minor, a lesser dog near to the others. To the Egyptians, Sirius was revered as a guardian of agriculture, whose appearance alongside the sun marked the annual flooding of the Nile. That was the time to move flocks and herds to higher ground, and a time which brought both destruction 
and renewal. Mythical dogs are guardians and also guards. And if you don't believe me, just go to hell. That came out wrong. I mean, let's use hell as an example. The eternal hell. The place that's like waiting for the next available customer care agent, you know, forever. Cultures with an underworld or hell very often had a guard at the gates, keeping the inmates in. And in mythology, there's no better guard than a dog. In ancient Hindu tradition, Yama guards the underworld, aided by two four-eyed dogs. To the Egyptians, the Lord of the Dead was Anubis, combining the body of a man with the head of a jackal or a dog. Part of his gig was to preside over the embalming process and accompany kings in the afterworld. Perhaps the most dreaded of all underworld guardians was this fella. Cerberus. The Hound of Hades had a poisonous serpent for a tail and three menacing heads. His job? Guard the gates of the underworld and widely forgotten till he got his big break in Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Since antiquity, Cerberus was only tricked three times. On one occasion, Orpheus charmed Cerberus with his music, to the point where the hound quietly stepped aside. Another time, Sybil of Cumae tossed Cerberus a honey cake spiked with a sedative. Not sure how to say Mickey Finn in ancient Greek. On a third occasion... It was one of the labors of Hercules to pop down and bring Cerberus up from the underworld. First, he had to get the okay from Hades, who agreed, provided Hercules didn't use any weapon. In an epic moment of obedience training, wherein Hades was Blanche Saunders when he needed her, Hercules managed to subdue the mighty hound despite being bitten by its serpent tail. <laughs> Fooled three times, huh? <laughs> you had just one job. We should probably go. Beyond mythology's guard dogs, guide dogs, dogs that heal, as in H-E-A-L, and omen dogs, one tradition endures. The belief that dogs see and know things humans don't, including ghosts. Sources in the AKC archives tell us the ancient Romans believed dogs had the ability to see ghosts and fawny rule gods of nature and fertility. To this day, owners become fascinated when their dog fixes its stare on what appears to be nothing. Stories emerge of such owners learning later that it was once the favorite spot of a departed loved one or the spot where someone perished. Uncle Giacomo? Is that you? In these cases, there's got to be a perfectly logical explanation, like sunspots or subterranean waters. Or almost certainly something to do with the sensory abilities so many breeds have, far beyond those of humans. Hear that? <laughs> Neither do I. Dogs hear higher-pitched sounds from a much greater distance than we do. Their field of vision can be much wider than ours with superior twilight, dusk, and dawn vision. Moreover, a dog's nose is packed with some 200 million smell receptors, 40 times those of humans. The reason is no mystery. 
Dogs have been carefully bred with these special abilities for thousands of years, even before Keith Richards roamed the Earth. So yes, dogs can see, hear, and smell things humans can't, whether or not those perceptions range beyond known science. It's little wonder, then, that dogs are celebrated worldwide and throughout the ages as a gifted protector, as in the story of The Seven Sleepers. Some 17 centuries ago goes this story. A group of young men were on the lamb. The Roman Emperor Decius, permission to boo, had decreed that all under Roman rule must worship Roman gods. Decius, never the strongest spoke on the chariot wheel, would be best remembered for his religious persecution. Oh, and uh, for being the first Roman emperor to die in battle against a foreign foe, the seven men found refuge in a cave and there fell into a deep, miraculous 300-year sleep. Guarding them in their protracted slumber was a dog named Kitmer, who, in some narratives, escorts the men to heaven. Some tradition holds that Kitmer was a Saluki, and given that 300-year act of service, the least we can do is throw to an AKC breed biography. The slim, rugged Saluki is among the oldest dog breeds. Experts tell us they may date back as far as 7,000 BC. Like other sidehounds, dogs who hunt by vision rather than scent, Salukis were special favorites of kings, Egyptian pharaohs, Alexander the Great, and on through history. Even today, in a part of the world where dogs are often reviled as unclean, this desert-dwelling breed is often set apart as special and noble. The breed today is remarkably similar in shape and personality to its ancient ancestors. We can still marvel at the same sleek lines and natural dignity that thrilled royal families of the Middle East, Egypt, and Asia since before the pyramids were built. Prized by the Bedouin people, the Saluki is a powerful hunter, capable of running fast over long distances in pursuit of hare, fox, or gazelle. Let's slip back into Dogs of Myth by Gerald and Loretta Hausman. If you don't have any cocoa left, don't worry. I got you covered. It includes this tale from France about a lad named Attis who was handsome but not rich, and that was a problem, for he loved the beautiful Argia, whose father was set on her marrying a member of France's aristocracy. Enter a heaven-sent golden spaniel with its textbook-kind face. She promised Attis that she could help by appealing to Argia, reasoning that she, the spaniel, was irresistible, and if Attis and Dog came as a package deal, Argia could deny neither of them. When she saw that Attis was dubious, the spaniel invited him to squeeze her left paw, out of which fell a diamond. Convinced, Attis was transformed into a lowly vagabond minstrel and traveled door to door singing and dancing for his supper. When they got to the home of Argia, she harumphed at Attis but was transfixed by the heavenly face of the spaniel. I must have your spaniel at any price, she demanded of Attis. 
but the young man would have none of it, insisting the two were inseparable. Just then, Argius stared into the eyes of the spaniel, and her heart filled with love for both of them. Lamenting that she'd fallen for a poor minstrel, Attis took his cue and gently squeezed the spaniel's paw, producing one diamond, and then another, and another. Argia's paw, the paternal kind, watching from the distance, was satisfied and welcomed both the spaniel and the lad into his home, provided the lad cleaned himself up. And that's how the lowly Attis wooed the beautiful Argia, all thanks to the help of a golden-coated, soulful-eyed spaniel with a diamond dispenser for a paw. Just as the stories we tell today may one day ossify into dog myths and legends in the decades and centuries to come, many of our ancient legends are being revived repurposed, and regenerated, which brings us back to where we started, the legend of the black dog, or rather dozens, even hundreds of stories of the black dog. In 1901, the legend of one hellish hound in Devon, England, caught the imagination of this guy. Well, there are two things that people always want to ask me. Well, one of them is how I ever came to write the Sherlock Holmes stories. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, the man who created and killed off the great consulting detective Sherlock Holmes. And the other is about how I came to have psychic experiences and to take so much interest in that question. Visiting a writer friend in Devon, Doyle became fascinated by the tale of the supernatural hound, enough so to shape it into a story for the detective he had chucked off a cliff at Reichenbach Falls eight years earlier, not one to let such a trifle as human vitality get in his way. Doyle set this new story a few years prior to the Reichenbach Falls incident. Of course, the novel was The Hound, of the Baskervilles, a tale based on the legend of one Richard Cabell, who, Devon folklore tells us, met his end on the moors upon encountering a hellish, supernatural hound. If Richard Cabell wasn't damned in his time by the powers that be, he would be in the modern era by the creator of the most beloved detective in the English language. In every culture, in every era, in every part of this planet, dogs are an inextricable part of the human story in journals, folklore, song, and legend. Missing from this episode and from the AKC archive are the treasury of dog myths and legend from the indigenous peoples of this continent. They are stories we look forward to hearing, sharing, and helping preserve in days to come. The dogs of myth and legend have come to symbolize just about everything. Dogs bring comfort, give fire, protect and impart wisdom, just as they menace and portend. Depending on where you travel, if a black and white dog crosses your path on your way to a business meeting, you'll have success. And if a dog runs between a courting couple, they may quarrel and might not marry. 
Look up the elements of life in a Merriam-Webster dictionary and you'll find as many column inches filled by the entry for dog and its related compounds as you'll find for the words love, water, and fire. The starring role dogs play in so much of the human story across lands, cultures, and time reflect neither the good nor the bad of them. Rather, it demonstrates the central place dogs occupy in our shared consciousness. Down and Back, stories from the AKC archives. Visit akc.org to learn more about all things dog and find bonus materials for this episode. Follow the AKC on Instagram at American Kennel Club. On Twitter at AKC Dog Lovers. And let us know what you thought of the show. Founded in 1884, many dog years ago, the American Kennel Club is the recognized and trusted expert in breeds, health, and training. We advocate for responsible dog ownership and are dedicated to advancing dog sports. Research for Down and Back provided by the AKC Library and Archives, the only national repository dedicated to the sport and enjoyment of the purebred dog. Learn more about the collections at akc.org library. No humans were harmed while making this show. <laughs>